Who is your rock in your life? That's what we're going to talk about tonight. Because in some way, everyone at some point or another runs to something or someone when times of trouble or times of suffering, when life gets difficult, uh, we have something that we try to trust in. And when where we run to reveals a lot about who or what we ultimately trust in. And we're in Second Samuel 22 and 23. This is the epilogue to David's life. And what David is going to do in these two chapters as it rounds out his life is to convince you that you need to turn to God to be your rock. That He is worthy of being the place that you run to when life is difficult, when things are hard, or when suffering. And I think that's what's ultimately pictured in the two songs that, that are given to us in these, these two chapters. The alternate title of, of this lesson was, How Do You End a Book? Because that's ultimately what's happening here is the way that, that God through David wants to end this book is putting forward that God uh, would be your rock. And that really does bring this book full circle. If you remember that we talked about that at the end of the book of Judges, we're left the disturbing words that there was no king in Israel and that everyone was doing what is right in their own eyes. And the concept of saying there's no king in Israel becomes evident when you realize, well, in the days of the judges, of course, there was no king. What are you saying? There was no king in Israel. But to put it forward in hopeful expectation that there would be a king who would turn the people away from wickedness, a king who would rule in righteousness and cause the people to to seek the Lord. And we're coming to that ending now where David has ruled as king and God has ultimately been with David and carried him through so many things that we've looked at through First and Second Samuel, how God has kept his word and has been faithful to his promises. And so the book then is, is coming to that conclusion. In fact, you will notice how Second uh, Samuel 22 begins. Where it says there, David sang to the Lord the words of this song when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. What David is going to do is just sing about the faithfulness of God. What what a way to start off this song and what a way to punctuate the life of David is to say, David now is writing this song because... God has delivered him from every foe, from every enemy, everyone who has raised their hand against David, that David has been rescued from them, that David has been able to enjoy the faithfulness ultimately of God. It is such an important song uh, that your, your Bibles may note to you that this is recorded twice in Scripture. This is also Psalm 18 as it's presented to us in all of Second Samuel 22. So how important are these words when God says, let's put it on holy paper twice so that we will have it for us, that God is trying to convince us 
that he wants to be our rock. He has been David's rock. And ultimately why David is going to put all of this in down for Israel to remember and ultimately for all people to remember is so that we will turn to God as our rock. We mentioned that this book really comes full circle with this song. If you might remember how the song of Hannah began. Now, that feels like a long time ago when we were in 1 Samuel. But remember, the first song of this book that kicks off is Hannah saying, There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. And now look at how David opens the final song. There in verse 2, he said, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation. He is my stronghold, my refuge and my savior from violent people. You save me. I called to the Lord who is worthy to be praised and have been saved from my enemies. This is what David wants us to listen to is look at the faithfulness of God. Look at the faithfulness of God in the life of David. Look at the faithfulness of God in the books of first and second Samuel. Think about the faithfulness of God and how God has been a rock to Hannah and Hannah's prayer. Hannah's prayer, if you remember, was that the, that there would be one who would come, that the Lord would judge the earth, give strength to his king and exalt the horn of the anointed. And Hannah's prayer is coming to fruition. Here is God as David's rock and God has been faithful to his promises and has established David on the throne. The whole message of the book has been for us to see that God is a faithful God, that he can be trusted to be your rock, to be your strength, to be your fortress, to be your savior and to be your help. He is worthy of being the rock in our life. Now, I think that's an important consideration of asking this. So who then is our rock? Since since God is pleading for us to uh, be the rock that we would turn to in our lives. Take a moment and just think about the temptations that we face to turn to other places and to other people to be our rock. Think about how easy it is to run anywhere but to God when things are hard, when things don't go according to plan, when life is difficult. Sometimes the the first reaction that we can have the tendency to have is run anywhere else but God. And then when all of those, can I call them fake rocks, fail... Then we turn to God and go, well, God, you're the the place of last resort. Everything else that I trusted in didn't work. I tried to handle it and I trusted in wealth and I trusted in stuff and I trusted in my job and I trusted in all of these things to help. And I trusted in these other people thinking that they would help me and no one helped. 
And so, God, could you do me a favor and help? I want you to see how David's portrayal is, no, God is to be the the place that, that we would help, that God would be the place that we would turn to first, and that we would see that the things of this world cannot sufficiently be the rock that we need. The time you turn to wealth to be your rock, that's when your wealth fails. The time that you try to make your... Uh, self-image, self-worth, and your stability be your job, that's when your job fails. And then you'll turn to people and you'll think, well, this person will never let me down, but everybody has to let you down because they're weak and frail too and they're beset by their own problems and difficulties and suffering and weaknesses. And we think that everything else can be the rock and there's really only one person who can truly function as the rock that we need. And for the whole of these books, First and Second Samuel, to be put forward so that you would come now to the end of David's life and come to the end of David's reign and for us to understand that God is the perfect Savior. He is the perfect rock. He is the only one that we can trust. Everything else will let us down. Everyone else will let us down, but God will never let us down. God does not let his people down and God is not weakened by a lack of knowledge or weakened by inability. There's a kind of a saying that goes around is either you, you have the ability, but you don't want to, or you have the desire, but you don't have the ability. God has both. He has the desire and the ability We have to look at God in that way. He is absolutely capable of being our rock. And He desires to be it. He, He is telling us this. I want to be the place that you turn to. I want to be your rescuer. I want to be the first place you think about. When life gets hard, I want you to come to me and just place it all on me and go nowhere else. That is what God is putting forward for us. And David is expressing this. David is trying to get us to see God as this rock where we would place our entire hope. If you notice some of the things in, in chapter 22, I'm not going to go through it line by line in, in chapter 22 because it is Psalm 18. And we did Psalm 18 line by line not that long ago. I just want to pull the, the, the highlights and the big message that you see in this. The song, like in verse 22 uh, of first of second Samuel 22. What, what a picture that, that, that he ultimately gives actually verse 20 is what I want. He brought me out uh, into spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. I am always caught off guard and stunned. When you get to hear the words of God saying that he delights in his people, that should should jar us and move us about the kind of God we serve. That you have David saying, God is a rescuer. God is a rock. God is faithful. And one of the things that you see God saying is, I take delight in my creation. I take delight in my people. I want to be your rock. I care about you. And I delight in you. And what a picture that should just truly give to us that God is there for us. That he wants to be our support, especially when life is difficult. And that God would take delight 
in who we are and our relationship with him. And you see that again, like in verse 29, you, Lord, are my lamp. The Lord turns my darkness into light. Here is a picture of reversal that's being given. God is the one who will give you the light you need in your darkest of times. As you go through those hardships, God is the lamp. God is the help that you need. He will give you the direction and He will give you the support and the help you need. And so I want you to see David throughout this is just saying this idea. Let God be your rock. Let Him be that light light in your darkness. Let him be that support. He wants to delight in you. He wants that relationship with you. And so David then writes this song to be able to to encourage Israel, encourage the readers to look at God in that light, to really see him as the rock that you would run to. In, In 2 Samuel 23, You may not be surprised. The message keeps going. Chapter 23 begins, these are the last words of David. Now, they're not the last words of David in terms of like, this is the last thing he ever said in his life, took his final breath, and that was the end. But more that this is the final proclamation. This is like his final song that he's going to give. And what you see in this final proclamation is the exact same message. He wants to tell you a second time. Please listen to God is faithful to you. That God will be your rock and be your help. And that's what what this song goes about describing. Like you see in verse 4, He is the light of the morning sunrise. On a cloudless morning like the brightness after rain that brings grass from the earth. If my house were not right with God, surely he would not have made me an everlasting covenant arranged and secured in every part. Surely he would not bring to fruition my salvation and grant me my every desire. He says, I want you to recognize that that God has made a covenant with me. He's been faithful to me. He has worked in my life and you can imagine with his final song he's putting his life out there for a resume and just saying would you please look at what God did in my life it would be of of a kind of a fun thing to do to get to go all the way back to 1 Samuel 17 where we're first introduced to David and Goliath Here we are all the way down the road now in 2 Samuel 23. And all that David is doing is saying, look at my life and look at what God has done for me. And one of the things that I think is so fascinating about what God does with David is that you have God trying to put David forward as ultimately a model for our hope. That it's not David going, well, God was real special to me. He won't be that way for you. Good luck to you all. But boy, God really did great things in my life. And that's because I was so special. I was so different and you guys have a whole different relationship. That's not why it's recorded. It's always recorded so that David can say, look at what God did in my life. And he's going to do that for you. If you will turn to him as your rock, 
If you will look to Him and see His faithfulness and see how He is with you, how He delights in you, how He desires to have a relationship with you. And so you see that picture that He gives as we just read there like in verse 5. He's saying, I basically gave my life to the Lord. I gave my life to God. Look at what God did. Look at what God accomplished. Look at what God was able to do through ultimately the life of David. By contrast, you see like in in verse 6, the disaster happens if we don't trust Him. I always like how how the Scriptures put these ideas forward. You want to desire God. You want Him to be your rock. You want to turn to Him as your resting place and your fortress and your hope. Because if you don't, disaster, like verse 6, the evil men are all to be cast aside like thorns, which are not gathered with the hand. Whoever touches thorns uses a tool of iron or a shaft of a spear, and they are burnt up where they, they lie. Here's God saying, I want this relationship with you, but if you won't trust me and won't let me be your rock, it's only going to be disaster that comes. And so God is putting forward David as the model that he's going to be faithful to you. And not only here, you might remember... One of my favorite prophecies is Isaiah 55. And David is put forward there by the prophet Isaiah in a similar way. Isaiah 55 opens with a call for people to come to him. Come to to the Lord. Great invitation where you can come and buy wine and buy food without price. And then asking the question, why do you labor for food and for all these things that don't satisfy and don't give you what you need? They won't give you what your heart desires. And it's after saying those words, then Isaiah says this, incline your ear and come to me that your soul may live and I will make with you an everlasting covenant by steadfast, sure love for David. David's always put forward as this model. Look at the relationship that God had with David. Look at God's faithfulness to David and his covenant faithfulness to David. And with that, even Isaiah comes along and says, hey, God's making an offer to you. Why are you wasting your time in things that don't satisfy? Or if I can use 2 Samuel 22, that are not true rocks. Why are you resting on things that are faulty? When God says, you can come to me and I'll be your rock. I will make you this steadfast covenant with you. I will be faithful to you. I am faithful. I keep my promises. I can be the support and the help that you ultimately, that no one else is able to be and no one else is able to do. God's always put forward in that way. Let's quickly just think about David's life just in terms of that. How we see God rescuing David from his enemies. Very first scene, David and Goliath and God rescues David and rescues Israel from the hand of Goliath and from the Philistines. God rescues David from Saul and all that Saul is attempting to do and trying to kill him. We see God rescue David from Absalom and what Absalom tries to do. The whole life of David. 
is ultimately a display of the faithfulness of God. And thus, what a way to end a book. What a way to put the the, the final touches on the record of, of David's life. But then just to think about how, how faithful God has been ultimately to David. Now, if you're looking in your Bibles, I want you to notice the rest of chapter 23 because you might think that this is really a strange place to write this stuff. If you scan your eyes through the rest of chapter 23, what you're going to see is this listing of all of David's mighty warriors. And there was these warriors who were the, the, the top three powerful mighty ones. And then there was the number of the 30 uh, that were these mighty warriors. And, and listen to some of the descriptions that are given about these the, these mighty ones. Like in verse 8, uh, Josheb Bathshebeth. Notice it says, he raised a spear against 800 men whom he killed in one encounter. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) What a record for him. This is one of David's right-hand men. This is one of his faithful warriors. And the description that that is given to him is staggering. Uh, Same thing in in, in the next two verses, verses 9 and and 10. Here is this this one Eliezer and describing them going out to battle. And it says at the end of verse 9, all the Israelites retreated on him, but he stood his ground, verse 10, struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. God brought him a great victory. I don't know what it's like to have my hand frozen to a sword. I've had it frozen to a screwdriver where you've been working like, you know, three hours on an Ikea thing and then you get done and your hand's like, uh. <laughs> think about what that's saying about he's out there just by himself and God is giving him victory and he's out there for that long with the sword against the Philistines even though all the Israelites had retreated. This whole listing of all of these mighty men. One of the most notable descriptions begins in verse 14 where you can imagine the scene. Here are David and his mighty warriors and David just starts reminiscing about Bethlehem. Oh, man, this was, there is some great water in Bethlehem. I mean, you should try that well. Great stuff out there. Just it's, it's delicious. And some of his men gather up the courage in, in verse 16. They break through the Philistines line, drew water from the well and near the, the gate of, of Bethlehem and carried it back to David. But he refused to drink it and instead poured it out on the ground. And we read that and go, whoa, they just like totally gave their lives for you for this water and you pour it out on the ground. But in our mind, that sounds like a waste. But if you notice what's happening is is God is is pouring it out for God. It says at the end of verse 16, he refused to drink it, but instead poured it out before the Lord. Why? Verse 17, far be it for me, Lord, to do this. Is it not the blood of men who went at the risk of their lives? And so David would not drink it. The picture is David is so astounded 
by the faithfulness and the dedication of his men, that he holds the value of this water as if it was the lives of his own men and says, how dare I drink this? It is so to be valued and upheld. I'm going to give it to God. And it's poured out before the Lord as worship because of how faithful these men are. It's like, I'm not going to just, you know, drink this like a common glass of water. What these men have done is extraordinary. This whole paragraph is the extraordinary listing of these faithful men. And I want you to notice the very end of it. Go to the end of chapter 23. The very last line. And Uriah the Hittite was one of those kinds of men listed among the mighty faithful men of David who would go out to battle, be at David's every side, fight off the warriors, protect David, do everything that they could to be that servant of the king. Uriah is listed as one of the faithful warriors. And I don't think by accident to be put last on the list, just underscore that name that you can't help but stop on that name and go Uriah the Hittite, the one whom David stole his wife and had him murdered to try to cover it up. Uriah the Hittite is listed here as one of his mighty men. I want us to see something precious about that is that Uriah is remembered by God. We talked a little bit about that scene, about how unjust that was. And I want you to see that that God remembered him and put him in the book, if you will. Here's his name listed. His name is here, even though he has been treated unfairly and unjustly. Uh, just absolute awful what happened to him for his own devotion, for his own good that he was doing for David. Notice that God remembers him. Do you see that this is a picture of God's faithfulness? Here is Uriah's name. He was one of the great ones who was serving God and serving his king. And he's listed here in that way that he is remembered by God as a faithful servant, even though the one he served had turned against him and had him killed to cover up his sin. It just is a a simple singular point with two two branches that, that really come off of that. That we would just see that what David is just wanting us to see in those two chapters is that we would trust in God to be our rock because of how faithful he is. This is his big concern to the end of his life. Would you trust him and see him as the place that is the right place to turn in trouble, that he will be there for you, that he will provide for you and care for you and listen to you and be the the support, the fortress, the rock that you need. And his two proofs ultimately in this is first, you have the listing of all of these men. Here is God listing the, 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 the warriors that had, had sacrificed for David and were serving God in that capacity and to see that God saw him and remembers him. 
and that is always important to see, is to us, when you look at these lists like this, they're just a bunch of names who did a bunch of neat things. But God knows every single one of those people. You know, and one day down the road, we're going to be a list of nothing to, to however many generations go on past us. We, we're always the most important generation until the next one comes along and, and then they're the most important and we're just in the list. But God knows the list. God sees what we do. He sees our faithfulness. He sees our desire. He sees what we're doing and he will be faithful to us. Even in days, days ahead, wherever long the earth spins, God will be faithful to all those in the past who were faithful to him. It's been 3,000 years since there was a Uriah the Hittite. Here he is. God remembers. God knows what happened to him. God knows the injustice. God put his name down in the book. Such great hope about the faithfulness of God. But let's spin that to the other side of the coin when we think about that. Here's Uriah's name at the end of the list. And you know, God was still faithful to David. You know, it's easy to get caught up in our reading of David. And David is saying, hey, look how God is a rock. Look how God has been there for me. Look how he's been my support. He's been my fortress. But don't forget, David catastrophically sinned against God. A huge, huge failure. A massive sin. Not only adultery, but murder. Murdered Uriah, one of his close soldiers and mighty men. And what I want us to see in talking about the proof of God's faithfulness is even though David catastrophically failed, God was still faithful to David. It's an amazing picture of the kind of God we serve. That even for David, it did not mean that now God had turned his back and was no longer going to be with him and the relationship was over, it was forever severed, it's all destroyed. It's not the picture at all, but rather a picture of even when we fail, God can be faithful. That God can still be there for us. Here is Uriah's name. It's not like all is forgotten. Oh, God forgot all about all that he had done. Oh, here he is. Right here at the very end of David's life. Don't forget what he had done. But God is faithful. And I hope that we would hear that message. The times that we fall short, the times that we fail, the times that we sin, it's not over. It's not over. We serve a God who extends steadfast covenantal love to us. That he just wants us to come back to him. He just wants to pick us up and start over again with us. That it does not have to be the end of the life. And it is so beautiful to see that in the life of David. The New Testament expresses that to us as well. In Romans 5 and verse 20. Maybe one of my favorite sections in the book of Romans. Now the law came in to increase the, the trespass. 
But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. You just can't fly by that line. Here's sin increasing. But where sin increases, grace abounds all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see why God can be your rock? He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. He will not abandon ship. He will not disappear when you need him most. He will be there for you. And David is the best proof of that even in the times of crisis And even when David committed sins and his consequences were self-inflicted, God's still there for him. And that's what Isaiah is talking about. I offer to you the steadfast covenant of David. He'd be your rock too. He'll be faithful to you. You don't need to give up in your walk with God. Even though sin may increase, grace abounds all the more. You can come back to him and enjoy that relationship with him. That's what God wants. God wants to go forward with you. If you would have him to be your rock and to be your hope. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father. I believe it is just difficult It is difficult for us to comprehend how you can continue to love us and be so faithful to us in spite of all of our sinning. How we can commit sin after sin and do so many terrible things and not reflect you the way that we're supposed to. And you remain steadfast in your covenant toward us. Lord, thank you for being the rock that we need. Thank you for never leaving us. Thank you for making a pathway for us to be able to return to you. Lord, I pray that you would fill our minds and our hearts with hope that we would realize that you were always there for us in that way. No matter what we face in this life, no matter what our difficulty or our suffering or injustice that we may deal with, whatever unfair things happen to us, God, that you'd remind us that you are always there for us, that you are the rock that we need. Help us to put our hope there. Lord, help us to clearly see that these other rocks that we try to rely upon are false. Show us the foolishness of trusting in other people and other things. Lord, I pray that we would see the life of David as such an example. That you'll be with us through thick and thin. and That we would turn our hearts to you and glorify you and love you all the more because of how dedicated and how faithful and how loving you are to us. God, forgive us for our sins. Forgive us for how often we do not turn to you. We are tempted to turn to other rocks. Forgive us for doing that. Lord, give us a greater strength 
to always run to you during good times and bad times, prosperity and adversity, because we know you'll always be there for us. In Jesus' name, amen. We are going to take the opportunity to sing now an invitation song that you'd come to the rock, that you would see Jesus as that, that you would really give your life to him and, and how you could look to him in that way in the days ahead to live your life faithfully for him as the one that you need. So we can help you respond to that invitation. We invite you to come and do that now while we stand and while we sing.